0: Hi, CityCast listeners. We are in the thick of election season. Early voting starts October 24th. And do you know who you're going to vote for? Do you know what's at stake? Today, I am talking with CityCast contributor Evan Mintz. It is Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Evan, I know I complain about this every year, but there are too many things on the Texas ballot. I went through at harrisvotes.com and counted, and I have to vote on 93 things this November. You know, there's everything from the stuff that I know something about, like governor, down to, like, probate judges.
1: You don't have a strong opinion on the best probate judges? Yeah. But who who is going to administer probate? <laughs>
0: Right. And and democracy depends on my being able to pick the best, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, this is the most wonderful time of the year. You know, (laughs) democracy is a gift. And (laughs) here in Harris County, we have the most presence under our tree or menorah.
0: Ah, well, I'll try to think of it that way. Okay. But I worry that if I, as a news junkie, can't vote intelligently, you know, what's going on with that democracy. And also, how is it going to be affected now that straight ticket voting is out, you know, that people can't just pull the Republican or the Democrat lever?
1: Well, you know, it's an upside and a downside. The downside is that people may skip races, it may take longer. But the upside is that you and I both know that straight ticket voting gets in some pretty lousy candidates sometimes. Just because someone has an R or D next to their name doesn't mean they're a good candidate. And you want people to think on an individualized basis about each one of these races. How, how can you tell? How do you know there is a policy difference between these and ours and some of these things? And I think that really became clear over the past couple of years, over the past couple cycles, when you saw Democrats sweep into some of these positions and really change things in ways that folks thought uh, weren't even possible, that you had some Moderate Republicans thought we're doing pretty good work. And they say, well, you know, how's this any different than having a Democrat in? Mm-hmm. And then you have a Democrat in, and suddenly things change and your eyes open up.
0: Are you thinking about Lena Hidalgo? Who are you thinking about there?
1: I'm thinking about Lena Hidalgo and I'm particularly thinking about the misdemeanor judges mm-hmm. in the, in these low-level criminal courts where there is an ongoing lawsuit uh-huh. about unconstitutional bail practices. The Republicans kept fighting a settlement and the Democrats when they won decided to settle it and now Harris County has an incredibly successful uh, bail reform that ensures that people facing low-level charges can't be held in jail just because they don't have a couple hundred bucks.
0: So you're saying that if I generally lean, say, toward the Democrats, that it does make sense for me to vote for a Democrat whose name I don't know.
1: And if you're Republican leaning, you should probably just vote for the Republicans. But Mm -hmm. there are going to be some races where you look at them and one of the candidates is just going to be so good. You should probably cross over and vote for them. Or on the flip side, one of the candidates is going to be so bad that you really need to just not vote for them. But how do you know? And one of the great things that Houston has is the Houston Chronicle Editorial Board, mm-hmm. which offers informed endorsements of the candidates.
0: <laughs> OK, full disclosure, you and I both used to work on it.
1: We, we did. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll say, you know, there's a new team there now. I don't always agree 100 percent with their calls. Mm-hmm. But one of the great things about those endorsements is they explain why they endorse one person and not another. So if there's one uh, that you disagree with, you can go through and see what the reasoning is and decide whether you're convinced or not. Now, you also have the League of Women Voters voter guide that has information about all the candidates. Mm -hmm. And you can also find all sorts of organizations across the region that endorse candidates on one basis or another. And I always find it fascinating that you've got groups who are, you know, Democrats aren't going to cross over and endorse some Republicans unless it's a rare circumstance and vice versa, too. But they'll skip races. And so you'll see things like uh, Texas business organizations when they offer their list of endorsements just won't endorse, for example, say, in the attorney general race where the incumbent Republican is, you know, facing all sorts of legal troubles, is facing up to 99 years in prison for committing fraud, (laughs) ran away from someone trying to serve him with a subpoena, just all sorts of embarrassment.
0: What do you think? About the race for county judge, we were just talking about Lena Hidalgo. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going on there?
1: I mean, I think that's probably the most heated race on the ticket right now. You know, all the a lot of attention goes to the governor race, the lieutenant governor race, these statewide races. But just looking at the polling, you know, it seems like the question is, how much is Beto going to lose by now? Something weird could happen between now and Election Day. Mm-hmm. The polling could be off. You know, you could see a Democrat win statewide, wide, yeah. particularly uh In the attorney general race, where you just got a D with low name recognition and Republican with a lot of problems. Or in the lieutenant governor race, where you have got a bunch of Republican elected officials crossing over to endorse the Democrat. But it's that down ballot race, the county judge race that is so fascinating.
0: Okay, now the last time Beto lost, Mm -hmm. he swapped Lena Hidalgo, who nobody had heard of, into office.
1: That's right. He had those coattails, but he also had straight ticket voting. Ah. We don't have straight ticket voting anymore.
0: And so we don't know whether people will go down
1: Mm -mm. that ticket.
0: Do you think Lena is sweating that?
1: Um, You know, the people I talk to say that they don't think that the end of straight ticket voting has too much of a change. Mm -hmm. That if you really look at the effect of it Mm -hmm. um, and that even when Lena was swept into office, she underperformed all the other Democrats on the ballot. She was running against Ed Emmett. People liked Ed Emmett.
0: The Republican that people knew. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He was very he was very chill, but I want to use that to get into how this race is different. Lena Dalga is the incumbent, she's running against Alexandra Mueller, who I kind of joke is like the Republican version of Lena Dalga. <laughs> You know, she hasn't held elected office before. Uh-huh. She's Hispanic. But instead of having like this background as like a grad student, she instead was in the military. Yeah. And then worked like in banking. Uh, and so it's just kind of Republicans wanted their own version of Lena Hidalgo to run against her. And she's running a heck of a campaign. You know, you see Mueller out there at every community organization talking to everyone, mm-hmm. trying to appeal to them.
0: Pounding on the like crime issue.
1: She's really hammering on crime. Harris County has seen an increase in violent crime, but I'm going to tell you something, so has everywhere. There is no city, red or blue, big or small, that has escaped this nationwide COVID era increase in violent crime. But you don't see folks hammering like the county judge for Ector County. Uh, because they have like way off the charts rates of people reoffending while out on bail. And you don't see folks hammering the leadership in Lubbock, which saw its homicide rates double because it's not politically convenient. But it's awfully politically convenient yeah. to use this moment to go after Lena as you know the head of county government.
0: On the other hand, I've heard that abortion is favoring Lena, yet another thing that really the county judge has no control
1: over. Yeah. Uh, and people we really really uh, feel in their bones that these local elections have been nationalized. And it's interesting how things cut both ways that Democrats forever have been frustrated. that They can't seem to break through at the statewide level because the Republican brand is so popular in Texas and the Democratic brand is so weak. Even if you are, say, an attorney general, you know, facing broad charge yeah. uh, or, you know, a ag commissioner who, you know, used official dollars to fly out of state to get a Jesus shot. There's <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, At the same time, it could be at a local level where folks can say, well, you know, Judge Hidalgo, she has staff who have been uh, indicted for misdirecting public dollars, that she hasn't done a good job leading on these critical issues. You know, really, you need to just vote for someone else on the basis of the job well done. And folks will say, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable voting for a Republican. And Ed Emmett, when he was in office, he just had this natural way of showing that he was more than a candidate with an R next to his name. You know, when Republicans would do something that he thought was ridiculous, he would let you know. And even more recently, when the state tried to argue that Harris County was, quote, defunding the police, which they weren't, uh, Ed Emmett in the Houston Chronicle story said, like, you know, I think the, the county is doing its budgeting wrong, but I also think the state's being ridiculous for getting involved. You know, and there's those sorts of little shibboleths yeah. which show you that Ed Emmett is a reasonable man. I have yet to see Alexander Mueller do that kind of thing, send that kind of message.
0: Ed Emmett is not running for office, and he's a known brand. She is trying to get into office. She is. And she needs every Republican voter she can get.
1: She's probably going to need a few Democrat voters, too. Yeah. You know, the the, the Democrats and Republicans, the way I hear it from them and their campaign staffers, that this is a turnout election. Mm -hmm. Can the Democrats turn out their voters? Can the Republicans turn out theirs? But I really do think that you're going to need to get some Democrats to cross over. You know, where are the people who will vote for Beto at the top of the ticket? And Mueller at the bottom of the ticket.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Uh, And that's going to be a tough thing to argue, particularly if you have Mueller out there, you know, not showing that she's just not another Trump supporter. It's not that hard to sort of roll your eyes in a public way about Mm -hmm. anti-vaxxer ridiculousness or just the January 6th uh, insurrection or or just, you know, show that you care about these things, show that you're different. Sarah Davis used to do that all the time on abortion issues. You know, she was pro-choice.
0: And where is she now? Right. I mean, come on. Well, she, uh, you know, <laughs> she
1: lost. But it was also a, it was also a bad year for Republicans. This is supposed to be a good year for Republicans. It's the midterm election after a Democratic sweep.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. How good do you think the polling is on local issues? Do we know what people are thinking?
1: It's so hard to get good polling anywhere these days. Uh you know, but particularly at a local level. Yeah. You know, we we haven't seen a lot of solid polls at a Harris County level. You know, you see partisan organizations putting out ones that kind of show the outcomes they want to get. Mm-hmm. You see professional ones being put out. They're kind of all over the place. Uh, I think, you know, early in the cycle, you saw uh, Mueller and Hidalgo uh, tied. Yeah. Then you saw a later one that showed Hidalgo with a significant lead. A partisan Republican organization put out one showing that uh, Mueller had a four point lead, but it also showed Beto with only a two point lead, which I, I think is going to do much better than that in Harris County. If you want to look at the connection between those coattails that Beto has that had swept in Hidalgo last time, mm-hmm. you know, Beto's going to have to lose by no less than like six or seven points statewide to really help all those down ballot Democrats.
0: Which is within the realm of
1: credibility. That's basically what you're seeing in a lot of this polling. Yeah. You know, I I don't think that Democrats are are too unrealistically optimistic about what could happen. You know, Beto could win. But the real win here is having an election cycle that at the very beginning should have been terrible for Democrats and would have undone a lot of their wins at the county level from 2016, 2018, 2020, Mm -hmm. and just holding those for another cycle. Yeah. Like that would be a big thing. And in Harris County, you can also see a big shift in county government as well. Right now, Democrats have a 3-2 majority on commissioner's court. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because Republicans have those two, they've been able to break quorum leading to this budget crisis that we're in right now.
0: This this walkout, basically. Right. We're going to take our ball and go home.
1: Right. And it means that the county can't give more money to law enforcement. They can't give more money to the hospitals. They're worried about defunding Mm -hmm. the libraries and all these important institutions. Uh, But you have uh, a race for County Commissioner Jack Cagle's seat, and if a Democrat wins that, then you could end up with a 4-1 commissioner's court. You could also see something interesting happen where Leslie Brionis, the Democrat running for that seat, wins, Mm -hmm. but Lena Dalgo loses, and we're back to a 3-2 again. Oh,
0: that is a wild scenario.
1: To me, that would be the funniest outcome. That would be hilarious. (laughs)
0: OK, break that down. Why?
1: Well, it's just because there's so much energy being put into this county judge race. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much passion being put into it. But at the end of the day, it really is about like, do you have the votes? Uh, Commissioner Rodney Ellis likes to say, all I've got to do is count to three. And whoever <laughs> can count to three the quickest is really in charge of the county. Yeah. Uh, and so if you've got, you know, Lena Dalgo losing and Mueller in and all these Republicans would be so excited. But you still can't count to three. Yeah. And that is possible because, you know, Leonel is running countywide. Democrats use their authority to redraw the commissioner seats, which, mm-hmm. you know, nobody likes gerrymandering. But if one side does it, the other side's going to do it. We really just need to rewrite some statewide laws or national laws over this. Yeah. Uh, and so they gave themselves a little advantage in that commissioner seat.
0: I have been astounded by how dysfunctional the relationship between Harris County and the state of Texas has been. hmm This is... Almost certainly because the state elected officials are all Republican and Harris County is Democrat. Mm -hmm. If Mueller won, if we had a Republican as county judge, do you think that would change? Do you think state and local government there in Harris County would hold hands, get along?
1: You know, I don't know. I've said that whatever happens in November, we'll probably see some steam let out of the room. Uh, But Republicans really see this as their last chance to hold Harris County because they've lost a lot of the other urban counties Mm -hmm. a while ago. Yeah. And Harris County isn't as blue as some people think it is. It really is a purple county with a few good Democratic cycles in the recent history. But you just have to go back to 2014 to see when Republicans could win. Uh, And so, you know, if Mueller wins, you could see, like you're saying, some of the leaders in Austin kind of doing hands off, uh, letting the county do what it wants to do. But at the same time, Mueller's gonna use her authority to try to roll back some of the stuff that Democrats have done, notably trying to undo some of the the spending initiatives they've done on social programs, undoing the misdemeanor bail reform, which I think is a really bad call on Mueller's part. You know, I view the misdemeanor reform as a conservative version of bail reform that's worked, save the county money, it keeps low-level cases out of the jail at a time we've got massive overcrowding. Like, she should rethink that. Yeah. but if you see someone doing those fights at the local level, there's no real need to get involved at the state level. At the same time, you've seen some Republican county officials get in fights with the state government as well. Uh, and Ed Emmett was, you know, no friend of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick attempts to, you know, micromanage local issues. So it really depends on what type of Republican Mueller turns out to be if she wins. Yeah. Uh, but I think that a lot of this Republican ire seems to be the sense that This is their last chance to hold Harris County, and they view Lena Dalgo as a potential political threat long-term, and they want to get her out of the picture.
0: All right. This has been great, Evan. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. That was CityCast politics contributor Evan Mintz. Next up, I am here with producer Carlyon Jones. Carly, what other news is happening around Houston today? Hey, Lisa.
1: Get your bellies ready for this one, y'all, because the sixth annual Houston Barbecue Throwdown is making its return to St. Arnold's Brewing. After a two-year-long break because of the pandemic, the showdown will be returning November 20th from 1 to 4 p.m. Competing teams will create a single dish using a smoked ingredient that they feel best represents Houston-style barbecue. The entries will be judged by a panel of barbecue experts, but there will also be a People's Choice Award judged by the event goers. So if you're interested, tickets are now available for the event with General Mission costing about $75 and VIP at 1.30.
0: That's it for our show today. We are working on a show about the best ways to get into the mood for Halloween. What do you do to get ready for the spooky season? If you've got a tip that you'd like to share with our listeners, please call our voicemail. 713-489-6972. Tell us your name and the thing that you think is the best way to feel ghostly. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Bye.